We are happy that you're here in the house of the Lord today. You're very welcome in the name of our Lord and Savior. We want to begin our service today with number 319. And the words will be behind me on the screen as we stand to sing, There is Power in the Blood of Christ. Well, the opening line asks the question, Would you be free from your burden of sin? And the answer comes, There is power in the blood of Christ. That is our hope today. We do not put hope or confidence in people per se, and we don't certainly in churches or denominations. We don't put it in organizations, but we have only one hope for eternity, and that's the knowledge that Christ Jesus has died. He has shed His blood for us. Our sins have been forgiven, and we have a hope that is eternal and everlasting, cannot be taken away from us, and that gives us great joy and confidence to be able to sing and praise His name today. Let's stand and lift our voices in praise to Him. singing and rejoicing in the great truth and the fact that we know of the redemptive work and the atoning power of Christ's blood. This final verse, it speaks about doing service for Him. Well, you cannot do service for the Lord unless, first of all, you have been washed from your sin and you know His peace in your heart. And then when you possess that great hope and joy, well, there's no other thing that a believer would want to do but to live their life in honor to Christ and giving for service of Him. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There is power in the blood. Would you live daily? His praises to sing. There is wonderful power in the blood. Well, if you know this truth today, 
and that's in your heart. And let's lift our voices on this final stanza. seated. You're singing well this morning, and it's good to get off to a good start in the house of the Lord. Let's just settle ourselves, please. We'll come to pray and ask for God's help as we come to His Word today in our time of worship. <clears throat> our gracious, loving Father, in the Savior's holy name, we bow today in prayer. And Lord, we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of our gracious, loving Father in heaven. And Father, at the beginning of our meeting now, we stand in great need of the help of the Holy Spirit in our service. We need help, Lord, enabling us to sing and offer worship that is acceptable in Your holy sight. We need help, Lord, to pray and to read the Scripture, and to understand and have the Word of truth applied to our heart so that we might be changed, so that we might be empowered for service. Lord, we've been singing today of the wonder, of the might, the merit, of the precious atoning blood of our Redeemer. And Lord, our hearts are filled with praise filled with thanksgiving for we who deserve to be cast off into a lost eternity. We have been saved. We have been washed. We have been cleansed. We've been forgiven. And we have today a heavenly home. We have the assurance and certainty of glory. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Father, What else could we ask for? We have been given so very, very much. And blessings upon blessings are poured out upon us. We are recipients of these great mercies every day in a very practical and real sense, Father. And I pray that we will be thankful for all the temporal things we have. And most of all, we will not let a day go past that we do not rejoice and give thanks for so great salvation. Dear Father, I pray that we will all be motivated to serve our Lord Jesus, that we will not allow the issues of this life, the things that are affecting us in a negative way, and even those many blessings that we have, will not allow those things to interrupt or to get in the place and way of our life of service for the Master. Lord, we have been thinking already this year of what it means to devote ourselves afresh 
to renew our enthusiasm and our desire of service for the Master. And Lord, I pray that we will be empowered, that we will be strengthened, will be enabled with that ability, enablement, and power that is not of ourselves. Lord, that comes from the Holy Spirit abiding in us. And so therefore today, we pray that we will have joy in our hearts, that we will have the earnest desire of sweet fellowship with those of like precious faith, that you will bind us close together in our fellowship, and that the world, when they look upon us, they will see by the very behavior that we have one to another that we are the disciples of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that you would make us all soul winners for Jesus, that you will open up doors for us. Lord, you'll go in front of us at every opportunity and give us boldness in the Holy Spirit. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ at any turn, but rather be bold in the Lord. We will have faces like the faces of lions in one sense, that we will not be discouraged or set aside or fearful. We will know the Lord abiding in us, and that we will have the desire and the ability and the power to share our faith with others. Dear Lord, we stand in need in our land today of your intervention and mercy. We pray that you would put your hand upon our political leaders, that you would restrain them from their evil intentions and ways, and they would be turned and directed to accomplish your purpose. Lord, we ask that you would help us. We pray that you would give to us God-fearing people in high places of authority. Lord, have mercy upon the church across Canada. We pray for every faithful tongue that is exalting the Lord Jesus and is presenting faithfully the word of truth, that they will be blessed, that there will be advancement increasing in the salvation of souls and in the building up of your people. Lord, we desire, we want to know that gracious and blessed reviving. We want to know, God, your light shining on us and through us. We desire, Father, that we'll make a difference in our generation. I pray that we will be clothed with the beauty of Christ and that we will have His power resting upon us every moment of every day. Lord, please forgive us for our shortcomings. Forgive us for the areas that we have disappointed so often. And yet let us remember that we are in Christ. Let us never forget that we are clothed with His righteousness. Let us never forget, and as McShane said, for every one look we take on the inside, we may have ten looks out to Christ. And I pray that we will this day know joy and peace in believing, and that you would strengthen every 
outreach of our fellowship here. We pray for our Sunday school, for the boys and girls that have heard the word this morning. Lord, write it on their hearts. We think of the young adult class, the, uh, the adult Bible classes. Lord, bless the word as it has gone out already. Remember our sick ones. We pray again for Reverend Cranston. We pray also for Reverend Bodner that you would watch over these brothers and put your hand upon them and bless them. We think of the sick in our own congregation. We pray, Lord, for your intervention in their lives. Touch their bodies. Let them not be discouraged or cast down, cast aside, but rather turn their hearts and their eyes ever heavenward, ever toward their Savior and Lord. So, our Father, remember our prayers today. Hear us, answer us, and encourage our hearts. May we know that gracious awakening, that reviving of spirit and soul and heart. And Lord, that we will be made use of for the extension of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Hear our prayer today. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. We're going to continue to sing to the Lord's praise, number 46, Psalm 46. You'll find those at the back of our hymnal and the words also behind me on the screen. We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and then from 5 to 8, we'll stand as we worship.
in our scriptures this morning, congregational reading from Ephesians chapter 3. The book of Ephesians chapter 3, reading the first 12 verses. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. And the Lord bless His Word to our hearts today as we have read. You might keep your finger in that portion as we'll be reading on a little bit later in the meeting. But may God bless His own precious Word uh, to our hearts today. We want to give you a very warm word of welcome to our morning worship service today. We're very glad that you are here with us. And if you are visiting with us for the first time, or maybe you've come back to be with us again, you're very, very welcome in the Savior's name. We're very happy to have Pastor Bowler and his dear wife with us. And uh, there are some other friends with them as well today. You're very, very welcome in our service this morning. And uh, if you're watching our service online today, Maybe you have tuned in for the first time or you've come back to be with us, whether you're local or far away, you're very welcome. And uh, you'll see an email will come up sometime during the service on the screen, and you could send us an email, just let us know you've been with us in the service, and perhaps there's some prayer request that we could bring to the Lord uh, for you, but you're very, very welcome in our service today. Let me remind you, please, of some important ministry 
that's going on today and in the course of this week. This afternoon at 4.50, there will be our special prayer time for the session and board for the elders and deacons, and that will be at 4.50, and that will run right up until just about 5.50 for our congregational pre-service prayer time, and that will run just before the evening service at 6.30. So please remember that this afternoon. The ladies' Bible study will be on Tuesday. It will has been, well, put off a couple of times for different meetings and conflicts, but that one that was going to be held in December, it will be held now, Lord willing, on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m., and that will be via Zoom. And if you'd like to be a part of that ladies' Bible study, well, we'd be happy to have you join up, and uh, you can send, we'll send you an email link if you just contact uh, Jonathan McAnally before you leave the service today, and he'll be sure that your name is on that list. Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time will be at 7.30, and this Wednesday, we Sunday school teachers will be having their special prayer time uh, when during our season of prayer around uh, after the message on Wednesday night. Then Thursday, the session and board is our first meeting in the new year, and that will be at 6 and 7.30, respectively, for the elders and the deacons. Next Lord's Day, uh, greatly appreciate your prayers. We'll be traveling down on Friday to Orlando to take part in the uh, installation and ordination of Brother Logan Elder, uh, recently graduated about a year ago from our seminary, and he will be taking over as the minister of that congregation. That's a great rejoicing for the people in Orlando. They've been thinking about this for several years and been praying much for the Lord's direction for them. And so that will be a blessed and a happy time. Well, it's an action-packed weekend for some of us anyways. We'll be then flying out Saturday morning to Dominican Republic uh, to be taking part in the installation and ordination of, of Brother Raymond Sosa, who has also uh, been through our seminary, and although his English is not very uh, fluent, and so the service will be conducted in Spanish, and we're hoping there will be a, a translator there for those of us who don't quite understand that language. But we're looking forward to taking part in that meeting also in Dominican Republic, and then heading back, Lord willing, to Toronto on Monday. So it'll be a busy weekend. Nonetheless, the next Lord's Day morning, Reverend Gallagher will be preaching in the morning service, and then Brother Frank DiDerno in the evening service and next Lord's Day. Please keep these brethren and all these meetings in your prayers and uh, for travel and so on. We would very much appreciate that. Hope, hopefully when I come back for the following Wednesday, not this one, but the next one, I'll be able to share with you by way of a report on just how those meetings have taken place next weekend. All, of course, we rest in the Lord's will and in His direction in these matters. Remember, please, the end of January, the last week from the 23rd to the 27th, we'll be meeting from Monday to Friday night for a congregational week of prayer, and that will be from 7.30 to 9 each night. And we want to really bring the matters of the whole congregation and of the work of our school and the ministries that we're involved with in whatever dimension that might be. We need the power of God. We need the Lord's 
direction and help, and there's no better place that we will find it but being with Him in prayer. And so as a congregation, we want to set forward on this. And I would say to you and encourage you again, you are a part of our fellowship, then you set aside that week and you determine to be here each night as we wait upon the Lord. For you need prayer for yourself and for your own family. That's for sure. We all do. And we definitely need prayer for the ministry that God has put us in charge of and the work that we have to do. And we want to be faithful before Him in all of these things. So the Lord's hand be upon you all. We mentioned last Lord's Day. We pray for a blessing upon you in the new year. And that continues. And thank you for your prayers. We were traveling this week. We left early last Monday morning and uh, traveled down to North Carolina to be with our family, our daughter, and our grandchildren. We enjoyed a few days with them. It was short and sweet, and we arrived back Friday night, and so we thank God for traveling mercies, good weather traveling down and back. You can never be too certain traveling in January down through the mountains of the Carolinas and so on, but anyways, we had a, a good time of travel and a special time with the family. So thank you for your prayers, for those of you remembering and who knew about that. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise, number 512. The Savior we must have with us. Let's stand again, please, as we worship the Lord.
Turn again, please, to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to pick up our reading at verse 13. Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I want to draw your attention this morning to verse 16 of this chapter 3 of Ephesians, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. I want us to think this morning, really continuing on the theme of our motto text about strength to continue in the walk of faith. Strength to continue in the walk of faith. Let's bow, please, for a word of prayer. Father, we have Your Word open before us now, and we pray that the Spirit of God would open its truth to our hearts. I pray that we will receive the Word with gladness, we will mix it with faith and that it will be applied practically to our lives so that we might reflect the beauty and the glory of our Lord and Savior. Dear Father, give me help, I pray, strength, that unction and anointing from heaven to speak as the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message. So, hear our prayer today. Be with us now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. When the Apostle Paul wrote the Ephesian letter, he was in prison in Rome. He was on the last leg of his earthly journey having racked up thousands of miles, missionary miles, 
before he returned to Jerusalem to give witness to Christ, and there he was apprehended by the Jews. He was arrested, and he was put on trial for his faith, and he made his defense. And in that defense, he made an appeal to Caesar, and therefore was taken to Rome because he was a Roman citizen. He had the right to make that appeal. When he got to Rome, finally, he was in a limited liberty capacity. He had his own house that he had rented for a couple of years. But he did perhaps his greatest work when he was under that restraint and in incarceration. The greatest work, I say, because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write a large portion of the New Testament. And some of the writings that he did from Rome, well, we have them before us in the epistle to the Ephesians. And that Spirit-inspired authorship that he gave in those letters he wrote, the letter to Ephesians specifically here, well, it was not just to the Ephesian church. It was the inspiration by the Holy Spirit to be given to all the believers in that generation. For when those letters were read, they were copied, they were given to other places as well. But then, of course, we know the Holy Spirit has preserved His Word. It has been kept faithful so that the church in every generation has the Scripture, and we today possess the Word of God, and we can stand on the authority that God has preserved His truth, and we have that message and that Word that God has blessed us with. And the Word of God that was given by the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul, written by Tychicus, in this case to the Ephesians, that Word is going to be kept faithful and be true unto the very end of time when Christ comes back again and He will conclude all human history. The Word of God will remain faithful and true. We will have the Scripture. Even though the devil tries to stamp it out, even though he has tried to burn it, to corrupt it, in all of the attempts, God's Word will remain faithful and true. We can be certain we have His truth and we'll have it unto the very end of time because the Word of God is preserved forever in glory and it will be for all eternity. Now, when Paul was arrested at Jerusalem, many folks advised him, saying, Paul, don't go down to Jerusalem. It's not a good idea. They're going to abuse you. You could lose your life. And Paul said, but I must go. It's the calling of God, because he knew that he was in the hands of God. He was in the will of the Lord, and he went in that direction, and God ultimately led him to be in Rome. You know, sometimes when we are facing challenges and uncertainties, and going to a certain place or thinking a door might be a one that is going to bring great trouble to us, yet still directed by God, we can go forth confidently in that direction because we are under the hand and the oversight of a sovereign God, and He is watching us, and He knows our way. In fact, the Lord has mapped out that way for us the immediate circumstances may be tough. 
But when we walk in the light of God's revealed truth and will for our lives, we can rest. And we can rest patiently. And we can rest with the knowledge that God will carry us through. He will preserve His saints and His people. God is working in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And so, believer, we can rest in that today. We often speak of Paul as a prisoner of Rome, but he viewed things quite a bit differently. Look at the opening verse of chapter 3. He said, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, prisoner of Christ, but he was a prisoner of the Roman Empire. No, no. No, he saw things differently. He saw things in the light of God's revealed purpose in his life. Look at the opening verse of chapter 4. He said, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you have been called. So he spoke of being in bonds. But the bondage that he had was a bondage to Christ and a bondage in Him for the ultimate purpose of serving Him. Yes, he was in tribulation. And in verse 13 of chapter 3, he wanted to be certain that the Ephesian Christians would not be cast down. They would not be set aside by the tribulations that Paul had already endured and those that he was going to yet endure. Much the opposite. Paul saw that his imprisonment and the tribulations that he was going through, it was all part of the Lord and all part of the purpose. Therefore, he did not want them, the Ephesians, to be weary or discouraged or set aside. And the Lord doesn't want us to be weary or discouraged or set aside. We are called to walk in His way. The Apostle Paul's burden was for the edification of the believers that he was preaching to and writing to in this case. His burden of heart was that they would take in the truth of the Gospel. They would see the power of the Holy Spirit revealed in Paul's life. And therefore, they would say, Yes, Lord, He is Your servant and we are Your servants. And we want to follow we want to be a spiritual advertisement of the great grace that the Lord has for His people. And Paul shone with that grace through his trial, through his imprisonment. His face was bright with the reflection of Christ's glory. And that glory was seen, I am sure, through the correspondence that he wrote. That's evident but certainly it was seen by those who were even near to him and the guards that were around him. What a lesson, a life lesson they would have received from God's faithful servant. And Paul wanted the Ephesians to be mighty in God. He wanted them to be able to do exploits for the Lord because they knew their God. And he prayed for them that they would be strengthened with a power 
that was not of themselves. What I want us to do this morning as we look at verse 16, continuing in the theme of our motto text from Psalm 31 and 24, Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Well, this same theme of knowing that we have strength from our God to continue in our walk of faith. That's, I will tell you, what I need for this year. And believer, I know that's what you need as well. That we will not allow the devil to get the victory in our lives. We will not succumb to his temptations. But we will know the joy and victory that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Notice, please, in the first place today, the source of our strength. Verse 16 tells us that He would grant you, and then a little bit farther down in the verse, by His Spirit. That He would grant you by His Spirit. What does this tell us? Well, it teaches us about the source of our strength, that this strength is given by God the Father. This is who Paul is talking about. The He here is God the Father, and He is asking and praying for them, and He is appealing to them that they would be strengthened by the God whom they knew now in relationship. This is all coming back to the relationship that a believer has with our God, and we know Him as our Father. Paul has bowed his knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he is offering and making this prayer. He is praying faithfully for these believers, and he is wanting them to come to the power line of service for the Master. Now, in one sense, we know that God the Father is the Father of all humanity. He is the Father of every human being because He is the Creator. But the whole context of the letter to the Ephesians, He is directing this specific love and dependence that we have upon those who are born again of the Spirit of God, those who belong to Christ, those who have received the gospel by faith, and they have had their sins washed away by the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they knew that they were alive in Christ. They knew that their sins had been taken away. They knew they had a home in heaven. Paul emphasizes that earlier on in Ephesians, that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and that's the great hope and the joy that we have. So Paul appeals in this verse that God the Father would grant them, that He would give to them. And he's appealing to the highest authority on the grounds of their relationship. God was their Father. They were His children. 
And therefore, as children come to a father, he is praying that God would give you, he would grant you the strength, the power that is so necessary in order that we would be able to live for him. And you know, friends, what this boils down to, this is not the result of self-works. This strength that we are hearing about and reading about in this text, this strength is not something that we conjure up within ourselves. It's not by the power of just positive thinking. It's not just digging down a little deeper inside with your will and saying, I will have more power from God. No, This is something that must be given to us. It is granted as a gift from our Father in heaven. And you know what is a great wonder? Is that God is more willing to give than we are even to ask of Him such things. The Lord is only too gracious and willing that we would be partakers of that power and that strength that is so necessary for us to be able to function as His people, successfully in this world. Ah, friends, don't depend on yourself for such power and strength. Don't depend on your own ability. Don't depend on your mental capacity. Don't depend on your upbringing, whatever that may be. No, let those things that are of the flesh be set behind us. And let us rather lift our eyes heavenward to the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And every good and perfect spiritual gift, it must come from Him. Oh, that He would grant that to us, that we would have such necessary power. Ah, but the text also says that this power would be granted to us by His Spirit. Christ told His disciples that when He was about to leave, that when He would go, the Comforter would come. The Holy Spirit would reveal the Lord Jesus To them, He would reveal righteousness and truth to an ungodly world. The Holy Spirit would come to empower living within the very life and soul of every born-again believer. And so Paul would say to the Corinthians, do you not know that the Holy Spirit is living within you, that your bodies are the temple of His Spirit? Oh, God does not abide in temples and buildings made of bricks and mortar and steel. He abides within us, His children, those who have been saved by His grace. And today, as we see our place and position and we have our possessions from God through Christ, it is the Spirit that makes these things known to us. If we are walking in the Spirit, knowing the power of the Spirit in us, this is how God intends and operates in the life 
of His people. I wonder today, friend, are you walking in the Holy Spirit? Are you consciously aware of His power in your life? You cannot know that in the full understanding of that if the world has more place in your life than the Lord does. And don't we all have to ask that question and think, well, how much, Lord, am I influenced or controlled or motivated by the world that is around me? Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not to be of the world. But how do we, how do we operate in that way? How do we know that that's exactly what we're doing in walking in His Spirit? Ah, oh, friend, it will be to be in the Scriptures. It will be to know the truth, to walk by faith. It is going to be to imbibe the teaching of God's Holy Word, having it filtering down through our minds into our heart and soul and life to affect the way we live. The means of this power and strength that we so necessarily need every day, it is by the Holy Spirit. And dear friends, as we realize the truth that is being conveyed to us here from the Lord, let us be very careful that we avoid self-dependence as much as we can. That we realize that God has given us the ability to operate and to function in such a way He has given us the mental capacity. We are to use our minds, to use our wills. But let all of those aspects and parts of our identity, let them all be used by the direction of His Spirit to be strengthened by His Spirit and that God would grant that to us as a gift from the Father. Please notice the second thought today is this, that the power of God's glory is our strength. So the text reads that He, that God the Father, would grant you, and note this, according to the riches of His glory. According to the riches of His glory. So how can we define, understand the riches of the glory of God? Well, sometimes it will help us to think a little bit on earthly terms. And so you consider, well, what is the glory of an earthly king? How is that defined? Well, we could say it's defined by their royal lineage. They have to have a certain bloodline in order to be declared royalty and to be exalted to a position of an earthly king. And they have to have earthly power. They must have some empire to rule over. They are, it is defined by a throne and authority that would be vested in that throne and vested in that king or queen, as the case may be and the honor that's given to them by their subjects. The distinction of that place in the empire. So you can see there how an earthly king or queen would have 
that glory, that honor vested in them and revealed through them. What about the glory of an athlete? Some of you who may have been watching recently the World Junior Hockey, well, you might have been thankful that Canada finally squeaked out a victory, uh, the 3-2 win over the Czech Republic. Well, I'm happy about that because uh, our brother Milos Schultz will not be so happy about that as uh, his team uh, did not win the gold. But how do you define the glory of an athlete? Well, the gold medal. Because they are given at that point in time first place in their sport. They are deemed globally to be the best, the top of their game. And so there is an adulation that goes with that. And there is a glory that is attendant to that. As fading as that glory may be, for Paul uses the argument that the wreath that is given to the athlete that wins the running race, that will wither and fade away. And whatever accolades are given to sports figures in our day, they have their glory, but, it's, but for a moment, it seems. We think about the sun that shines, that God has given to warm our planet and allow things to grow. We are only aware, you know, a fraction of the glory of the sun in our solar system. We know something of its brightness and heat from the first light of the day to its full height. When there are no clouds that are going to obstruct the force of its warmth and the brightness of its rays, and its power radiates to the earth. But friends, think about it. We have still only been exposed to a very small fragment of the power and the glory of the sun. Now think about the glory of God. The glory of God. Is it not the defined in the sum total of all that He is? The sum total of the radiant holiness of an eternal being so pure and so holy that no sinful man could look upon Him and live. It is a glory that shines so fully and with such intensity that it's described, that God is described as a consuming fire. But our ability to describe such glory is impossible. We, we are at a loss with human words and vocabulary to speak of the glory of God and even to scratch the surface of a definition. So how has God made His glory known to man? How can we get a grasp of this? Oh, my friends, we have seen the glory of God revealed in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. For all that the Father has to say to a sinful world, He has spoken that word through the person of His only begotten Son. 
The Lord Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Father's glory. The express image of His person and of all that is contained in the glory of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, we have only seen, friends, the first rays of that glory as the sun would dawn on a new day. For the majesty and the magnificence and the fullness of the God with whom we have to do is so great and so vast and His glory so immense that it will take eternity for us to take in such glory. One commentator wrote, it is not His power to the exclusion of His mercy, nor His mercy to the exclusion of His power, but it is everything in God that renders Him glorious, the proper object of our adoration. But you notice in our text that the Apostle says, according to the riches of His glory, and not out of the riches of His glory. Paul uses the same construction in Philippians 4.19 when he says, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So the same thought is conveyed in Philippians, again conveyed here to the Ephesians, and it refers to the infinite and un ending resources of our Heavenly Father that are not diminished no matter how much is given out. Because God does not diminish at all, the more His glory emanates from Him, the more it is conveyed across all of creation. He does not lose any of that brilliance that majesty, that glory. And when we receive from our Father, oh, it's not, not pride from Him, but it's freely given. It is granted as a gracious gift. And our Father's full giving, it has only begun, friends. Think about its power to strengthen us with might in the inner man. Yes, this is thirdly the place of our greatest need, the place of our greatest spiritual need, the inner man, that God the Father would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Well, this expression gets to the very source of what it is that defines a person. It is the soul, the heart, the will, the conscience, the motive, and all the unseen aspects of what makes up a human being. But I say to you, the most real and vivid aspects of a man 
and that which distinguishes a man from the animal world. The inner man is much different from the outer man. Well, the outer man may appear healthy and strong and be able to accomplish many great feats that others cannot do. But they may be very, very weak on the inside. We know the story of Samson. Samson was a strong man on the outward but he was a very weak man on the inside, a weak moral man. Yet there are those, and you know of them as well, that may be very small and have a weak constitution, perhaps sickly, but they are mighty prayer warriors. They are strong in the strength of the inner person. And they are not fearful when things go slightly awry. They're not fearful when it comes to stand against those that oppose God. And it is just this prayer that Paul offers for these Christians, for he knew that this was by far the most vital thing that they needed. We need spiritual strength to a vastly greater degree than we need physical strength. For if we are weak physically, but strong spiritually, this is exactly at the heart where Paul is praying. He's not praying that people will be physically strong people. He is praying for the inner person to be strengthened with that power that comes from God. Now the Bible tells us that bodily exercises profiteth a little. And it really means it profits for a little time. And therefore, we are not to avoid the well-being of our body, but to be certain not to neglect the greater matter of our soul's health and strength. Now, this does not mean that you should go out and cancel your gym membership. You, you need to keep those New Year's resolutions that you all made about getting slimmer and fitter and trimmer and cutting out the chocolates and all the unnecessary things. You're not to, don't jettison all that aside. Keep on, the, keep on the track for that one. But we all, I think, understand the intention here because what is being spoken of is the inner renewal of the spiritual man. Strengthened, it means, of course, to be made strong, to increase in strength. It's interesting that little word that says strengthened with might by His Spirit. It's the word dunamis, means power, but it's not ordinary power drawn from man. This is supernatural power. This is miraculous and it is abundant for us. Dunamis is a power that's residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. So for example, we have in Matthew 13, 54, when the question was asked about Jesus, whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? It's the word dunamis. It's the power that was supernatural. Supernatural. And the New Testament uses this word 
expressly for the miracles of, of Christ, His divine power to perform things that were above and beyond a description or definition by nature. Because that's what a miracle is. You can't define it by nature. In Mark 5.30, when the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Christ's garment, and Jesus said, I sense that virtue has gone from me. He sensed that dunamis power has gone from him. And this is the petition which the apostle prays on his bended knees before the Father, and he prays that these Ephesians would be strengthened with this might, this power from God, so that they would not faint in their times of tribulation, that they would be able to resist Satan and all of his temptations, that they would bear the cross of Christ and undergo afflictions. And they would do so knowing that this is the will of God for them and that they would hold on and they would persevere unto the end. This is a blessing that comes from the Lord Himself. And my dear friends, it's a gift of God's rich and free grace. For this is what He grants to His people. He strengthens them, leading them to more and more grace, leading us to more and more strength in Him, that we might do His work and do His will joyfully. But again, we are reminded it is because our inner man, our spiritual being is strong. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And in this text, the word inward man, it's the word that we get esoteric from, the inner or secret part, the hidden things, the things you cannot see. Even if you x-ray a person, you still can't see their spirit or their soul. It is that part which grace has been poured into, that part that we have spiritual strength. And so, friends, as we close the message this morning, how is your inner self today. If you were to get a checkup, what would that look like? Are we strong in our inner self? Are we strong in Christ? Are we walking in the light of the Son of God this day? And are we equipped and enabled by His Spirit? Ah, but friend, Maybe there's someone here today and you don't know the Lord. You've never trusted in Christ. You don't know Him as your own. Maybe you're watching online today and you've tuned in this morning by accident. You think, well, the question comes to you, are you saved today? Do you know Christ? Are you born again of the Spirit of God? Because until you come to taste and see of the grace of God until you know the forgiveness of your sins and that you're born again by His Spirit, well then you, 
You cannot know what Paul is talking about here to these people. You cannot know that inner strength of His Spirit until first you have been born again by the Spirit's power. And so I would say to you, friend, today, right where you are, if you are not a believer, then bow your head in prayer and just simply ask the Lord to come in, to open your heart, to cleanse you from your sin, and to give you new life in Jesus Christ. Because then you will know what it is to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Let's close, please, in prayer. Father, take this Word today, Your holy Word, and write it on all of our hearts. Help us as we go through our earthly journey and life. We will know the power that is not of ourselves, and that we will be strong in faith, nothing wavering. We'll be strong in the Spirit, and that our inner man would grow day by day. Father, make use of us, I pray. And Lord, what about any who are unsaved here? Is it not time, Lord, to work in their hearts? Is it not time that they would come to Christ? I pray for their soul today. Lord, hear our prayer. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close by singing number 592. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Let's stand, please, as we worship.
thrones may perish, kingdoms rise and wane, but the church of Jesus constant will remain. Gates of hell can never against the church prevail. We have Christ's own promise, and that cannot fail. Onward then, ye people, join our happy throng. Blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, laud, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages men and angels sing. Let this joy and the hope that we have be full in our hearts as we sing this final stanza this morning. Father, take these words that we have sung, the word that we have thought of today from the Scriptures, and write them upon our hearts. Part us now, Lord, in your fear. With your rich and mighty blessing, go in front of us. Open up the ways and the doors. Help us, Lord, to be soul winners for Jesus. And may your name be honored and glorified in all things. Hear our prayer, for we ask in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.